0: Hi, this is Paul Warren, and you're listening to the Rams Review Podcast. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Rams Review Podcast. Discussions, insights, interviews, and analysis. all passion, all Derby County.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you today. I realize I've been absent for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure everybody's been heartbroken that I've not been on the episode, but Jason's done a great job of taking, of, of holding down the ship. Um, but we are here today to discuss Derby County and discuss Wickham and look ahead to January. And with me is Jack. Jack will join us in a minute. He's currently on a ferry to Shetland and they're doing a safety message at the most inopportune time. They should understand when we are recording and whatnot, but uh, we will we will work through those technical challenges. But Jack and myself are joined today in Rams Review HQ uh, by Derby Telegraph, uh, Darby County reporter Lee Curtis. Lee, welcome to the podcast. First time for you. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate you you taking the time. How are you doing over this? Uh, what is soon going to be the festive period, the calm before the storm? How are you? Uh, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling ahead of this this energizing period of the year, both personally and then obviously professionally? Because you'll be with Derby a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I've had the sort of the last two weeks off on a holiday, really. So I've been doing the games. So I did, obviously did the Wiccan game. I was. Um, and I did, I was down to do the Fleetwood game last Tuesday, but I had, uh, I had an accident, unfortunately, and somebody wrote my car off. So, um, so that was a little bit disappointing. So, uh, yeah, the, the festive period so far has been pretty stressful. I've got to be honest, because I'm, I'm, I'm without a car at the moment. I'm waiting for the insurance, uh, company to sort it all out. But, uh, yeah, so I've been, uh borrowing my wife's car but she drives something that is infinitely a lot smaller than what I had so it, I may as well be driving it by sitting in the boot really so I'm just waiting for, to get all that all sorted but uh, yeah I did the Wiccan game so um, obviously there for the Lincoln game on, on Thursday I'm not sure when this goes out but yeah down for Lincoln and then full uh, full uh, steam ahead for, for the hectic festive period.
1: Yeah, so Lee, obviously the insurance might take a little longer because you know yeah. you with your Lamborghini uh Lamborghini SUV, sometimes they take a little bit longer than your wife's Mini. So, uh <laughs> no, I understand that's a difficult period of time, but appreciate you appreciate you talking uh talking with us. And it is a busy time for the Rams. We're going to talk about that momentarily, but I want to start with the Wickham game. Mm. Cuz Lee, Darby to be fair to Wickham, uh, they they tried to play football, they looked okay in, in bits and pieces. It it wasn't the the best footballing spectacle I think one could imagine, but you would have expected Darby to, to go a goal up when they did with Tom Barkhausen, that they could see that game out. There's a, I wouldn't say a silly handball, but a, a handball nonetheless from James Collins kind of in the last floating seconds and goalkeeper huffs it into the box. Man gets wrong side of Joe Ward, pops it in one, one. Uh, and, and they go home sharing the spoils. Paul Warren was obviously disappointed with the game. How did you, how did you, were you disappointed as well with the fact that Derby could not see that game out in the, in the waning seconds? Yeah, I
0: was, I, I was disappointed with the lack of game management really. And I, I, and obviously from speaking to Paul after the game on Saturday, it was something he mentioned too, I just, I, it's happened a couple of times, I think. Um, obviously there was the Portsmouth game uh, when Colby Bishop obviously struck didn't he in the, in the final seconds of uh, stoppage time to get them a 1-1 draw. And it happened again at the week. I, I, it just felt like, to me, that Derby wanted this second goal. And maybe sort of that uh, adrenaline and that drive to try and... They just seemed to lo- lose their common sense a little bit, really. That's what I thought, anyway. I just thought they should have just made the game very boring kill the game either by playing through into the corners run the clock down by any means necessary get out there get out of dodge it wasn't the best game i thought it was an awful game to watch uh, really and i and, and in fairness i thought wickham came not to lose rather than to win uh, and i i i thought derby struggled with a way to try and combat that um you know wickham put a lot of men behind the ball uh uh, defensively, very rigid. I mean, at times they played with two sitting midfield players. There was six men behind the ball. There wasn't. They didn't play with a particularly high line, so there wasn't very much space to exploit. So they had done the homework really, and I think when those situations occur, you need to move the ball quickly. You need to move the team from side to side. You've got to be a lot quicker. It's got to be one touch, two touch, and and it just the pace of the passing, the pace of the movement just wasn't there. But in saying that, it's six games unbeaten. Uh, the results largely went in their favor. So um just chalk it off as one of those days and, and try and get a result against Lincoln on Thursday.
1: And I think, Lee, that's the that's the most important takeaway of this game is I think everybody walked away from that game feeling a little deflated as as you would when, you know, you concede a 98th-minute equalizer at home to a team that's yeah. that have probably been in and around the playoffs. You think, oh, Christ, that's three points, that's two points dropped. But when you when you extrapolate out the, the results over a period of time, it is six unbeaten. There are still you know positive shoots of of grass here. It's not as vitriolic and and negative as an atmosphere as what it was maybe a early November late October. Um, six six games unbeaten. This is the part of the time where you know as Billy Davis once put, it, I always say this: the men and the boys time in in the in the March yeah. and April window. Um, you know but these these games go a long way to to set the foundation don't they for the end of the season and you know, i was having this conversation with my dad the other day you know this this derby county team and a lot of these teams in league 1 championship premier league whatever you really can't read too much into the table and how the teams are performing because in january come come february 1st there could be four or five different players that we've not yeah. even met yet that we fell in yeah. love with at derby county there could be outgoings and incomings and things like that but you know when you extrapolate that out six unbeatenly is is a good is ultimately a good record to have, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think, uh, obviously, after the Steve and his game, you, right, you referred to it, it was pretty vitriolic. It was a lot of anger among the fan base, uh, a lot of disappointment within the dressing room. I mean, Paul obviously came out for that game and w- w- looked, you know, he was pretty crestfallen, I thought, uh, looking at him after that. and But to be fair to him, he rallied, they've rallied really well. Um uh, and I think that those you know, some of the performances they've put in that time, I think they played really well against Northampton, very good against Barnsley. And then there's been games where I don't think they've been quite as good as those two, but have managed to grind results out, like Port Vale away, for instance, where I, I, I thought you know, Tyrese John Jules yeah, made such a big impact in that game. Um And so it, it's been quite a mixture, but I think that's a good thing to have. I, you know, I think... You know, when you beat a team like Northampton 4-0 or a Barnsley 3-0, they're the sort of games where you don't really learn much but the games where against Port Vow, where you've had to grind it out, Bristol Rovers as well, where they had to go right to the end, you know, in both those games really, to to get a result so um, they've won games in different ways and that's that's pleasing for me and like you've just touched upon rightly, Corey, is I think when we get to January, there will be Incomings and there may well be outgoings Um, and then February the 1st, it's almost like the second half, the gun gun sounds again and we we go off for the final remainder of the season. But, you know, looking at the table, nobody's really running away with it at the moment. Um, Teams are dropping points unexpectedly. I mean, who would have thought that Cheltenham would have beaten Oxford a couple of weeks back? so I think it's there for the taking, really, um, and I still don't feel necessarily. And I don't know whether many, whether you guys agree with this. I, I still think there's more to come from this team. I, I still don't believe we've seen the best Derby County there is yet. We've seen it in flashes, but in terms of being consistently, you know, at a high level, I don't think we've quite seen it yet. So that's encouraging for me. i uh, hopefully, like in the in the coming weeks when. I, Paul Warren's teams traditionally sort of kick into gear. You
1: know, maybe this
0: this run that they're on might be the sort of the the, the shoots of a of a run that that could go into double figures.
1: Yeah, Lee, I'm I'm 100 in agreement with you there. I think that that's kind of the frustration that that I think I've certainly had with Derby County this season. Is you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, you know, we 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 are sixth in the league, you know, and whatever, but we haven't played. Fantastic and knocked a few teams about maybe like we should have, and we know that there's more to come from this team. We know that there's maybe at times one or two players carrying Darby through a game. Mendes Lang comes to mind with with a couple with you know with his good form as of late. And you sit there and you think, man, if we could get four or five players fit and firing, yeah, that would be absolutely incredible. We could go up this league, and I know Paul said, Paul Warren said a few weeks ago that you know there weren't really any teams this year that were, and it was no disrespect to any of them, but there wasn't really a, like a pace setter, you know, like you have in the championship with Leicester yeah. and Ipswich where you're like, wow, those teams are clearly way better than everybody else. And yeah. then everybody else is kind of doing it. And when you harken back the similarities to kind of this part last yearly, I mean, we, we finished in seventh position last year. It was like, I think on goal difference with Peterborough to get to the playoffs. And basically for the first 10 or 15 games of the season, we treaded water, you know, partly with Liam Rossini and then partly with a bit of a bit of a a downward spell after that 18 game unbeaten run. But, you know, we know that there's more to come from this team and you got to take these, these, these unbeaten streaks as as you can. And and we can sit there and say, Oh, we're in sixth. That's a bad season. It's negative managers got to go. We've got to get a whole new squad of players in and all this, 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 but ultimately we're sitting in sixth, and there's a bunch of other teams that would like to be in the position that we are, because we also know there's a heck of a lot more to come from this team. Um, come the second half of the year. And so I think it, it, it'll be excitingly with, uh, you know, with the January, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, because it is very interesting uh, with some of the puzzle pieces that may be shifted around, but this league is here for the taking. I mean, you look at it, Stevenage is, Stevenage is still fourth in the league. I don't think anybody expected that. If Stevenage oh. keeps that up, that's absolutely fantastic. But I think I know that their aim for this season was was mere survival. So maybe the law of averages, you know, kind of peters out here shortly. Um, and they start to drop a little bit, and, and then we start to come into the form. But I think it, I think it works out um, really, really well when you know that there's more and more to come from this team. Lee, one of the things I wanted to ask you was about Paul Warren because um, I had the fortunate opportunity to meet him when I was in England in October, and you, you talk with him every week. Talk me through the last few weeks with him because like we talked about mid-October to late October, he was under a lot of pressure. I know that Darby got, you know, taken to the cleaners by Stevenage. There were a lot of calls for Paul Warren to go. He got the, some would say, dreaded vote of confidence from owner David Klaus, but ultimately he's still in the position. I know that there's a lot of people that think that he's not a right fit for this football club. They think that he's his tactics are kind of like not cavemanish, but, you know, very direct, kind of not, hearkening in the style that they would want to see from a derby county side you know man on man when you when you meet him and you talk to him as a person have you noticed a, a discernible change in his mood from that time when he was under pressure to now and what do you think other than results obviously that helps everything what do you think has kind of helped him uh with his with this kind of change in personality because some of the some of the interviews that you would watch after the game, he was kind of sullen and sulky and he would say things and he would, this is bizarre. Why are you saying this and whatever? What change have you seen in the man over the last five or six weeks?
0: It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I think if you judge managers on their post-match press conferences, I, I don't think they give you a true reflection of the person because you have to remember we're speaking to them at their most emotional time. So I remember the Stevenage game. He come out. Obviously, wasn't very happy with about the result. Uh, adrenaline probably still going from. He did. He did wait a long time to come out and speak to us after that game. So he obviously, had a bit of a uh, an inquest with the players afterwards. Um, so when you see managers being interviewed, sort of after games, yeah, I don't think that really sort of portrays them as they are normally are as you see from a Monday uh, to a Saturday before. A ball is kicked, really. So, for me, he's always been this level-headed, wonderfully humble character who always asks how your family are, or is always interested in what's going on in your life, uh, you know, will speak really passionately about Derby, how proud he is to lead the football club. Um, so, he, I, I think... You know, when I look at managers and how I would want them to be in terms of what they bring outside of a match day, he is amazing. I think think he handles the whole fan situation. I mean, there's been games and fans probably won't know this, but, you know, Derby fans obviously get into away ends and things like that. So there's been a couple of games where I've been to where, uh, Cheltenham away was one. There was a few Derby fans in the in the Cheltenham. I was uh, one of them, Lee.
1: I, was I one think of I
0: think it might have been you. Then actually, was it you who came out and asked for a, came for a picture? It was not game? me that
1: came and asked for a picture, but I sat in the Cheltenham then very quietly. All uh, right, right, so there's a few like, so he's always
0: he always reserves time for the supporters, and a lot of the times I've seen it, you know, at games where someone will shout him and he'll sign anything, and he's always very humble, always speak to them, always very honest and approachable. So when I kind of think uh, and look at him as a as a character, he is he is a brilliant guy. Like he is, he is very good, and I'm, I'm aware he has done. A number of things that, that fans won't be aware of that he probably wouldn't like to get out where, you know, he's he's taken time out of his schedule to go and visit Derby fans personally. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, you know, who've not been particularly very well. So I, he is he is a great ambassador to the football club in terms of its community and what it stands for. And I think that's why. David and him get on so well because they understand how big an important role Derby plays in the community as a whole. As its main football club, I mean, it's a one club, uh, one, one club city, isn't it? So uh, he's got everything there. So I, I don't see. I mean, I've seen him lose his temper a few times, or, or get a little bit rattled. But I think you're judging him in sort of that emotional sort of post match era where it can get a little bit touchy. Um, but aside from that day-to-day, yeah, he's yeah, he's very approachable. And I just think what I think's turned it for him is players have come into form. I mean, you mentioned Mendes Lang. I mean, I think he's been absolutely sensational. I don't think Derby really replaced David McGoldrick, but he's sort of stepped up to fill his place, really. Um, he's been electric um, and he makes such a huge difference to the team. And I think... When I look at this Derby team and I assess it I, I I still don't think this is the true Paul Warren team. If you look at how his Rotherham teams were and how they played. I still think this we are sort of still in this transitional period where probably another transfer window or two are down the line. We will probably see the the, the full Paul worn team this sort of incessant high pressing high energy team but um yeah, so I think him, uh, Mendez Lang coming into form, James Collins has been very, very good for him and reliable this season. Um, and Curtis Nelson, wow. I mean, he's been my player of the season. I mean, defensively, Derby have been magnificent. Him and her and Cashin uh, have been absolutely rock solid. So I think those those uh, facets and those parts of the team are really what I think's helped add a massive turnaround. But, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go and watch him train a few times and they... You know, they, they, it's, it's, there is a really good spirit down there. There's a good group of lads. Um, you know, the players are going really well with the manager. And I just think it's like with all of these things, you just need sparks of form for players and you need your big players to perform. And I think, crucially, the likes of Mendes Lang and uh, Curtis Nelson and, and Aaron Cashin in particular have stepped up to the plate.
1: Yeah, before we talk about players, Lee, the thing that, that stood out to me is that Paul Warren is, a, is an extremely likeable guy and... When you talk to him, you want him to succeed because he's like just a nice bloke and you can talk to him and have a bit of a chat, whether it's about, you know, we talked about the NFL, we talked about, you know, Skagnes, we talked a little bit about whatever, and it wasn't really even about Darby. And you just sit there and you're like, this guy's just a nice bloke. You you want him to succeed because he's a nice guy. When, you know, time will tell ultimately what happens here, but, you know, you you really want him to succeed, don't you? Because he gives off that personnel and that vibe of like just being a likable guy. And you're like, how can you not? root for somebody like that because regardless of his tactics and how you feel and how they fit with the football club or whatever, just as a man, you're like, this This is a pretty nice guy here. He's pretty, you know, he's pretty down to earth. He's pretty, um, I'd say a little bit gritty and he's and he's kind of, you know, he's got that kind of touch with the, with the normal supporter, which I always found very nice. You know, it was, it was a, it was a nice touch and some nice conversations.
0: Yeah. I mean, he gets it, mate. He does get it. I mean, like, yeah. You know, I still I still think he finds it a little bit strange that people are waiting for him two hours after. I don't think he's quite, that he's quite got used to that yet. Um, but, you know, he's very personable. Um, I mean, there's been other managers that I've sort of uh, had, like, you know, I've come across him in, in my career. And I would definitely say he's the number one in terms of, you know, being aware of the bigger picture outside of football. You know, he realises that family, friends are all important. Um, so I, I will tell a story. So my dad died a, c- a couple of years ago, um, uh, unexpectedly around this time, actually, it was uh, December 2021. And I, we lost him unexpectedly. So this was before I'd, I'd taken over at Derby. Um, so when Paul came in, we, we, were, we were talking about his dad and how proud his dad would have been. And obviously he got quite emotional about it. And I just sort of said, look, I, I, you know, I have sympathy. I lost my dad. Uh, back in uh, December, and this was only a few months after, uh, obviously or about just a year after, and he, he had a meeting that day at the training ground. And what he did, and I'll always have great respect for him, he didn't just kind of rush off and say, "Look, I've got to go, mate." Like, you know, I've, I've got a meeting to go to. He stood and took time to ask about my dad, how he was as a person what stories could I tell him, and this, that, and the other. And I, you know, that is the kind of guy, that sums him up in a nutshell for me. Um, uh, just a, a really, really humble, down-to-earth guy. And I think you're right in what you say. I think a lot of Derby fans really want him to succeed because he is that kind of down-to-earth. You know, that he's not arrogant. There's no big-time Charliness about him. He's just a... He's just a, a he's the kind of guy who I would like to have a pint with in the pub and he could probably entertain you for hours with his stories as well.
1: Yeah. That was the impression I got. It was a very, very nice conversation. And that's, that's nice to hear Lee. I'm I'm sorry for your, for your loss. And that was a, you know, a good, good time for you guys to be able to, I wouldn't say bond over something like that, but, but to share that kind of moment and, and to do that, not a lot of people um, take the time to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, he was brilliant that day. Yeah. Really good. And you know, we had a good chat about uh, her life and death, and you sort of you sort of find out that you know football is is largely immaterial, really, isn't it, compared to you know what some people go through? So, yeah, but I think that was just an example of him, really, just the, sort of the the kind of warm and humble man that he is. You know, I right? and uh, yeah, I, I definitely um, hold a lot of respect for him for that.
1: Well, Lee, let's talk about January because you mentioned um you mentioned, you know, we we talked about it a little bit earlier that you know this team could look completely different in January and and I believe that there are 12 players out of contract in the summer uh, at Derby. We are now in mid-December, you know, about a week away from Christmas. And we have had no contract extension talks that we, we've had we've talked that there you know might be some extensions coming but there's been no official news. Um one could you give us any insights on if they're making progress with that lee and and secondly it kind of leaves the club a little exposed doesn't it in january if these contracts are not signed because they could get on a pre contract agreement with another club they could go for for pennies on the pennies on the pound um and in terms of a transfer fee or something like that and it could leave derby when the music stops on february 1st if they don't act quickly enough um some some players might not have chairs so to speak you might leave them wanting more kind of in the second half of the season, when you need those warm bodies,
0: yeah. So uh, the way I understand it is, so um, Max Bird and Aaron Casham will be offered new contracts now. Whether they sign them or not, um, I mean, in Aaron's case, it doesn't really matter so much because Derby do have a year's option on him, similar to the Jason Knight clause in that contract. So they are covered in that respect. Um, I, I wonder. I, th- I mean. It's not unheard of that clubs will leave contracts till the last minute and perhaps until the end of the season. Um, you're right, there is you do run the risk um, of losing players, but I think out of those players out of contract, you know, Mendes Lang is one that I think, you know, who's play, who's been in unbelievable form and you could quite rightly uh, justify a case for him as to why he would get one. But I still think the jury out, jury is out on a few others, if I'm honest. Um, uh, so, you know, you've got the Corey Smith in there. I don't think has been quite as consistently... Uh, has had much of an impact in that midfield this season. Conor Hurrahan, who I thought was excellent against Leighton Orient. I mean, obviously, his contract, I think, is up uh, in the summer. He's another player that I think uh, has sort of periods where... Um, one good game in in two or three um, consistency, I think, has has been a has been a, an issue for a lot of players. I think this season, um, but I I I don't think the club will be blinded by the fact that you know just because they've been on this six game and beaten run that it's automatically going to change everyone's thinking in terms of who's going to get a new contract. It never really works like that. I think. Um, uh, so I don't think, apart from Max or Aaron, um, I'm not sure. Maybe Mendes really could be. Um, I'm not sure, that though, many of those players will be offered terms before the end of the season.
1: Doesn't that leave the club a little exposedly, though, if they if they not necessarily sign a pre-contract agreement, but maybe if they're not in the planning for the longer term, they think, well, if somebody comes in and offers Two hundred and fifty thousand. Heck, why not? And then we can we can move on from there. But you know they could potentially be playing a dangerous game because if they let players go and then think they have targets lined up, yeah, I get yeah, can bring I them get. in and vice versa. You know the the personnel shifting of like, well, we've got a player coming in, we'll let two go, and then that one falls through. Those kind of things can always happen. It does kind of leave them a little exposed, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, but then at the same time, the club. Uh, he's probably looking at it and going, well, who's really who, who's really been on fire throughout the course of the season where you would say, I mean, you protect your assets, don't you, really? So, you know, Max Bird is obviously an asset. Uh, uh, Aaron Cashin is obviously an asset. So they're trying to get those two uh, sorted. I presume Nathaniel mendes There will be a conversation at some point, I- I'm sure, somewhere down the line. Um so I I yeah I do get what you say but uh I I think you have to earn your contract negotiation in, in my view that's how I see it and I I I can probably only make a case for a handful of players who I think have probably got a have probably got good reason to knock on the manager's door and say look what's happening beyond this season because I I'd, I'd like to stay but at the same time how many of those players are probably going to get a better club than derby so really, you know, Derby are such a major lure and such a uh, a big club, um, that, you know, outside of the players who are out of contract, where are they gonna go, really, after after they leave Derby? is there gonna be a bigger offer better for them? So I think the club really is is probably in a strong position in that respect.
1: Fair enough, and, and I would agree it is it is a draw. Where do you where do you kinda go in League One from, from Derby County? You know, yeah. It's a step down, no disrespects, to, to kind of go to like a Cheltenham or a Leighton Orient or, or something like that when you've been playing in front of 28,000 to go and play in front of five, you know, well, where does that go? You have to up, you have to up move your family in, in the middle of the season and things like that, you, you never know. Um, I'm going to switch gears here and turn it over to Jack because, Jack, I know you had some questions about potential incomings.
2: Just wondering about kind of incomings and who we might see. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk amongst fans about potentially another striker, needing a different type of striker or another body in there. You've got kind of Washington out for three mm. months or so. Um, you know, the talk of certainly a forward of some sort. Any any news on that? I mean, what do you... I don't know if you can tell us anything or just of your own kind of opinions, what might happen with Tyrese John Jules as well? Because his loan expires in two weeks, as it stands.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, so, I think the last time I spoke to Paul about this was oh, two or three weeks ago about John Jules. Um, and at that point, I think, if I remember rightly, he, this was prior to the Port Vale game. So, and at that point, he said that that uh, Derby had not made any decision on John Jules whether to keep him or whether to send him back. Um, I, I wonder, you know... Um, and I, because I, I do know the club are in the market for another centre forward, uh, but I just know from the January window and how difficult it is. I mean, this time last season, they had the chance to sign Jordan Hugel, but um, uh, well, obviously Derby was still under restriction at that uh, at that point, And Derby had pretty much gone, had given him the best offer they could possibly do. And then they got the gazump by Rotherham, who made him a stupid offer. Um, and he ended up staying in the championship. So, But he, at that point, was probably the best of the forwards they that was available, really. So um, I, I just wonder with the January window and how difficult it can be. If Tyrese John-Jules can stay fit um, and can kind of sort of increase his playing time from 15 minutes to 30 minutes and try and get, I I wonder if there's nobody better available whether they'll keep him uh, and I, because I do think he's got something um a lot different to what the the rest of the forwards have I mean I, I thought he was brilliant against Port Vale when he came on um he scored a fine goal against Fleetwood he's just got something about him I mean I mean the work that he did I mean uh, for the goal on on Saturday against um uh, who do we play again? Wickham. I Wickham. I say. So the Wickham. So the goal for the get the uh, the goal against Wickham at the weekend. Um, it was he was played an integral role, didn't he? It was him who who sort of yep. skipped the challenge. He thought about the shot, but thought no, nah, I just speak. so he has got that sort of awareness about him. So I just wonder if there is nobody available or is better than him. I think he could end up staying. Um. But I think that will be determined by his fitness, really. Um, uh, and I would not be, I would not bet against um, them bringing another winger in either. Somebody who um, is like Mendes Lang, but is on the opposite flank. So there's been a lot of talk about Corey Blacker Taylor. I would not be surprised if Derby tried to engineer something with that player again. If 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 the player shows any kind of signs that he would like to come to Derby, Uh, my only reservation with that is is that he's had such a good season, I wonder whether his agents might just say to him uh, look mate, if I was you, wait out until the end of the season, you could get a championship move. So um, I think those two positions and and potentially a midfield player. So I think defensively, um, unless Aaron goes, which I don't um, I think Derby will make a stipulation that Aaron stays for the rest of the season, if even if Brighton do come in for him. So um, uh, that's about where we are. Uh, Max Bird, uh, I think the club are pretty comfortable with Max. To be honest, um, I mean he's been at the club for such a long time. I think it would the club would have to receive an offer that would be silly money for them to contemplate even in letting him go in January, because I I, I think that they. Uh, would probably get more money through the compensation tribunal route than probably what they would get from some club in January anyway. So I don't have to sell him. Um,
1: so it, I think it will be fascinating, definitely. Lee, do you get the sense, talking from people at the club, that they, they're they trying to do a different approach this this January than last one? Because we know that the signings from last January didn't really kind of hit the mark. And, and I'm not going to say it was the reason why Derby didn't make the playoffs but they they brought players in and they didn't perform Mm. to to their abilities are the club taking a slightly different approach by looking at more mature players or are they just are they are they trying to learn from what happened last january do they or do they just kind of go we're a league one club this is kind of the situation that we're in and this is kind of the supermarket that we're shopping in
0: yeah it's a really good question i mean i i um and when we spoke to Paul after about his one year anniversary, we sort of looked back on, on last season and, and what were his, what he felt were his mistakes. And he pointed to last January, ironically. Um, and I, when I look back now, I kind of look and see Tony Springett, Harvey White and Luke McGee. Well, OK, Derby needed a reserve keeper. So that was a no brainer. It wasn't really going to make much of a big difference. Um Harvey White, obviously, Max Bird got that really bad injury against West Ham, didn't he, in the FA Cup? Uh, and that sort of killed Derby a little bit because they were in good form and they really missed him after that, uh, for the few weeks after that. And then Harvey was sort of like his replacement, but he was like an academy player, not really played much. Um, and obviously, Tony Springett was, a, was another player who'd... So, I had one or two moments with Norwich's first team, but nobody you could really say was a senior pro or a player with vast experience. And now, now, I think, I think Derby will try and do things a little bit differently this time around um, with players who are better than what they've got. But it, I always find with the January market um, compared to the summer, it's almost like demand far outweighs supply. So you'll get a lot of players who clubs will allow them to leave because the cast-offs haven't played for a long time or no longer fit in anybody's plans. You're probably going to need a month to get them up to speed. Or you might get one player who... Who's coming out of contract? Who might want to seek to leave a club and might get paid upon his contract early. So you don't really see any major moves being made in the January uh, window, unlike the summer. Um, so I think a lot of it will depend on which players are available. But I do think that Derby will try and bring players in who are first team ready rather than squad ready. I think is the best way to put it. <laughs>
1: Billy, I want to, I want to, we're getting close to the new year. It's kind of maybe a little early, but then again, they started playing Christmas music here in the States in September. So we're <laughs> going to go ahead and do this early. Um, <laughs> let's do, let's, let's talk about 2023 as a whole mm. for Derby, not necessarily the seasons. Um, and that was your, that was your first, first full year as a as the Derby yeah. County at the Derby Telegraph. What were your kind of, um what were your kind of high points for 2023 for, for Derby County?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, uh, uh, I'm, Several, really. I mean, uh, Port Vale away, brilliant. Um, that's possibly one of the most fun end to a game. Well, I say fun. It was fun for me in terms of watching Derby turn this game around in like in the space of three minutes. Horrendous from a journalistic point of view because of the rewrite. Um, so I just remember. Um, I think I was sat next to Na- Nancy Froston from the um, from the Athletic and um uh, and then obviously derby got it back to 1-1 and obviously they've been on this fantastic run and then i just remember i think it was obviously dobbin uh, going down the left wing and it was like that moment i think i grabbed nancy by the arm as if to say they're going to do this here you know and then the ball came in and mendez lang wh- whipped it in and obviously the limbs that all took place in the away end after that i mean uh, that was I, I was envious of everybody in that away end uh, in that game because I, I can only imagine what the emotion was like, and that's one thing that I do miss as 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 a journalist is that emotion of being in the away end with the supporters or you know just going on enjoying it as a from that kind of point of view and being able to cheer goals. But I think that was definitely one of the the highlights of the season for me. Um, the eighteen nineteen game and beating run was excellent. Uh, I thought the performance against Liverpool was really good in the Cup. Um, I know that was 2022, but um, because I just thought, um, I mean, I thought that Derby were pretty nailed on for a top six uh, finish. I know they sort of uh, hit some, uh, a dodgy patch of form sort of towards the back end of the season. But I still felt comfortable and still felt confident that they would finish in the top six because I never envisaged Peterborough going to Barnsley and getting a result, I, I never just never saw that coming, um, and I just I, I just felt in the end that Derby just ran out of steam really, and and that probably goes back to the January window um, because a, a lot of players, you know, had to keep going to the well, and they just I think in the end just got a little bit tired, if the truth be told.
1: And Lee, I, I, this is a I, for me my my highlight of, of the year. Uh, Derby County was was not really any games that kind of stand out. It was that Cheltenham game away because um, it was my first time uh, back since the pandemic of of uh, being back in England, back in the UK. Oh, um and and you know from the periods where we thought there would never be a football club, it was the first time I was able to walk into a stadium to watch Derby County, and there were a lot yeah, of people. I thought I'd never get the opportunity to do that. Unfortunately, the international call ups delayed me from. Going to Pride Park, but I had to to adjust very quickly to go to Cheltenham, um, and, and just to see just to see Derby County in action in a game again after all those years and after everything that had kind of come back up, uh, for the different things was was incredibly special for me. It was kind of a garbage game, although Cheltenham did score their first goal in like four months, which was cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the game outside of that was was pretty garbage. But um, I think that was for me was was kind of the highlight. And and this might be this might be a question that I already know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway because mm. I might not know the answer to it because you might throw me a curveball here. Um, who was your best player for Derby County in 2023? I think I know the <laughs> answer to this, and he may play for the Magpies. I mean, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, David McGoldick was unbelievable, wasn't he? I mean, uh, I I remember when he signed, and uh, I was aware. It's funny because. So I was aware that Notts County were hoping to sign him at some point during the because the, there'd always been this talk in the background about David going back to Medellin at some point. So when he came to Derby, uh I saw we, we were looking at his record and thinking, oh well, he's he's not really he's not been really prolific. And then he just turned i mean, he'd always been an amazing player in terms of his playmaking ability. I know you always thought of him as a number ten rather than an out and out goalscorer. But he was unbelievable. I mean, he was an absolute joy to watch. I used to love turning up to games uh, thinking, what am I going to see from him? And he was one of those players where, and I I know the game where I can tell you where it sort of epitomised him. uh, It was a microcosm of him, really, uh, was extra away. He was absolutely dreadful in the first half. Uh, and then in the second half, he whips one in the top bin from 25 yards. If you remember, it was the free kick, wasn't it? Or, um, and it was a game that Derby really needed to win. And that was him in a nutshell. just he, he If he turned up, he could be an amazing player for, to, for, for the first minute to the last and do things with a football. His brain was just on a different level to everybody else's. But then he was also the player that if he was having a really bad game, he could still conjure up one moment of unbelievable genius. You just think, where did that come from? And and that's what makes him such a special player. I love watching him. Uh, he's a great guy too. And obviously he went to Notts County. Um, but yeah, he was my player uh, for 2022, 2023. Uh, he was uh, he just uh, He's one of those players that, you know, worth the ticket price. Um, just a level above everybody else. It was like he was playing in the Matrix. You know, you know the whole bullet time theory, where, I, you know, I imagine that his view, we're all seeing it at full speed, but he's just like, he's like Neo. He's just seeing it at super slow motion. He's just like, yeah, I'll just weave in here, I'll just weave in there, get that space, yeah. And then I'll whip it in the top bin from 25 yards. Okay, yeah, cheers, Dave. Yeah, thanks, that. So, yeah, yeah, great player.
1: And and Lee, I, I I'm I am I am... I am privy to the fact that you are in the position that you are and you may not want to answer this, but I'm gonna throw it out here anyway, in well, case the creative juice is mellow and you feel like you feel like partaking and indulging me. What's your bold prediction for Derby County in 2024?
0: Oh, that's a good that's a really good question. Uh, oh, will Derby get promoted? Well, is I... it one of those
1: things, Lee, like Fight Club where we don't talk about fight club even though yeah. we all kind of are like giving each other the eyes? Like what what are you thinking here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'll be honest. I, I, I still think Derby will. I think Derby will finish in the top six this year. That, that is it. Will they finish in the top two? I, judging by what they do in January, I think that will be pivotal. Um, so if they can have a really strong January in terms of getting the players that they need, because I, I still think they need another centre forward. I still think they need another winger uh, who is of a similar ilk to Mendes Lang. Um. I still think they perhaps need a combative midfield player. If they can sort those three positions with players who are first team ready, then I think they've got a fantastic chance of making the top 2. Um but I I I, I still maintain that Derby will finish in the in the top top 6.
1: And Lee, I want to, before we finish here, I want to, I want to ask you a personal question. Mm. Um, you know, this is your first time on on the Rams review podcast and, and really appreciate your time, but we wanted to ask you about how your first, I guess 18 months or so covering Darby has been, what's the transition been like for you and and what do you wish some fans knew about you uh, that, that might, that may or may not help you down the road. <laughs>
0: Uh, better not tell him anything that like I'm a Liverpool fan, should I? I Guess <laughs> uh, we, all have, uh, we all
1: have problems, Lee. I'm not.
0: A, <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, Derby fans have been absolutely brilliant. I mean, I've been very blessed, really. I know we were talking before we we started the recording, but I've been very blessed, really. I, I, obviously, I started out covering Lincoln City, which was like the club I grew up watching as a boy um, with my dad and my granddad. Um, and that was sort of like a, an ambition of mine was to cover my hometown club, which I, I did. And that brought with it different pressures because obviously uh, I knew the club inside out uh, and its history. Um, and then obviously I went to Knox County because Lincoln got relegated from League Two to the National League. And I just felt that I'd been there for, for a long time and felt that I needed a, just a different different challenge. I just got a bit tired of the National League, if I'm honest. Um, with some of the travelling and the facilities. And then um, uh, and then my old editor, he was at Lincoln Trego, he took over at the Nottingham Post and said, look, uh, I'm looking for a Notts County correspondent. Would you be interested? So I was like, yeah, the Notts were in league one at the time, managed by Sean Derry. And obviously had a certain Jack Grealish playing for them uh, at that time. Um, and yeah, and then I spent eight years there and had, you know, the club was sold twice. Um, it was never dull. Uh and I had a really good relationship with the Knotts fans and it's a club I have a great deal of affection for. And I've been very blessed with with Derby really. I mean I have um I've not had any sort of um any bad interactions, with any Derby fans. They've always been really good to me on Twitter or whenever whenever I've posted anything or whether I've been on a Facebook live. Uh, very knowledgeable fan base, very passionate, and I've been very blessed. I have to say, I've been very blessed with with the clubs that I've covered in terms of how good the fans are and how how personable they've been. Really, I think they respect opinion. Uh, sometimes they don't agree with it, and that's fine. But they do it in a respectful way, and and I, I as a journalist, you can't ask for any more than that. As long as people are respectful, which are, they have always been, and whether it's been good, bad, or ugly, and I've put the, my point across. It, um, yeah, they've been fantastic, and you know I've started to make uh, some friends with, uh, around, sort of in and around the press box. So um, there's a there's a, a a guy who's got a hospitality box behind me in the press box, and um, his wife gave me a uh, his wife gave me a a, a cork uh, a bottle a bottle opener. A bottle, I don't know is the best way to put it. Actually, it's a, <laughs> it replaces a cork really. Uh, so okay. it's just like so if you lose the corky wine bottle you plug this thing in uh, a bottle cap that's probably the best way to put was that it because
1: so you, got... you might need to drink
0: yeah well probably, yeah potentially yeah so she <laughs> gave me that the weekend she get she gave me that the weekend it was very kind of her so i thank her very much for that uh and there's a guy down the front just in front of the press box to uh, have a good chin wag now and i you know and i love engaging with the fans um i, I i've got to be honest though, twitter i have i not through Derby, but Twitter as a general, I find quite tough at the moment. Um, just because of... When I first came onto Twitter, I, it was amazing. You had the whole follow Friday. It was genuinely light-hearted, good banter, and you know, and it didn't take itself too seriously. But now I just find it quite draining. Not just through football, but just through general life, you know, really. And, um It just seems to be very polarized. It almost seems like you have to take, you have to pick a side. You know, it's like red versus blue, or uh, you know, you have ACDC. It's just, yeah, it just, it just get does get mentally tiring a little bit. So I've tried to dial out of it a little bit, uh, really, because it just the fun has gone out of it. So, um, but you know, the interactions that I've had with Derby fans have been absolutely brilliant, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better 18 months, really, in terms of how the club have been and how the fans have treated me. So I, I feel very blessed and very honoured.
1: I can't believe you didn't take social media seriously, Lee. Social media is the most serious thing ever. <laughs> I'm just completely kidding for those that are listening on the podcast. Social media is a complete joke. But yeah, you should treat it as fun. And I agree. Social media, like, they got turned up to some weird degree there. And it's it's a very, very strange place sometimes. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Jack now. Jack, I've... Pardon, I've neglected you for for part of this conversation here, but I know you had a couple of things you you wanted you wanted to ask, Lee. Yes,
2: yeah, sorry, sorry. Part of that is the connection in the middle of the sea. To be fair, so it's <laughs> it's on me. This is uh, I thought you know, try and try. And get
1: Jack, you're gonna this, win. You're gonna win you know, employee. You're gonna win employee of the month things, here. Trying uh, to do trying to do a remote podcast from the middle of the the ocean. That's yes. that's next level stuff. The pay increase is in the mail.
2: Okay, thank you. That's good today. You're not steering um, this shit right now. I I do like these things for me. No, I'm not. That would be a disaster. (laughs) But the internet is just dodgy because it's a, you know. (laughs) Uh, so, So, yeah, what else? These things for me are still great and still kind of pinch me speaking to people like you, Lee. Somebody starting out doing the Study to get into into journalism, and I just wonder anything that you have picked up along the way. Any sort of tips that somebody like me starting out, what what's useful to know? Any any insights?
0: It's interesting because I, you know, I've been doing it now. I think this is my twenty sixth year. I think yeah, because I had my uh, I got reminded by my company. I think it was just after, so it would have been yeah last year that I'd done twenty five years so this is my twenty sixth year uh twenty sixth or twenty seventh year of being in newspapers um and the best thing I could say is that you learn every day even now, like I look at you know and I've been doing it as long as I get, you learn something new every day. The best advice I can give whether it whether it be written or whether you're pursuing broadcast, is that uh read and look up to the people and listen to the people. Who you aspire to be like? Because they will get, they will teach you so much. So I love reading, um, and I listen. I they are like the masters of their craft. I, I I like Martin Samuel. I think he's a brilliant writer. I love the way, he, I love his comment pieces. Uh, Henry Winter's so very good. I love Jonathan Liu. Uh I think he is an amazing columnist for the Guardian. Uh, you know the way he writes is just beautiful and very articulate. Uh, And very very savvy. Um, And Daniel Taylor, I think, obviously at Athletic, I think combines news investigation with comment very well. So there are a lot of people who I sort of think, you know, if you who I sort of look up to, and they can teach you so much with every piece that they do, really. So that's one of the best advices I can I I can give you is is take as much information as you can from those people or those sources, uh, and just keep at it. Uh, so I don't know what you're doing, Jack. Are you trying to go, are you doing broadcast written? What what, what sort of pursuit are you, uh, what are you looking for? Um,
2: I, to be honest, at this point, I don't really know. So at the moment, I'm doing the foundation year for Derby Uni's football journalism degree. So mm. come next year, hopefully in the first year, can start doing some practical stuff and kind of figure it out. You know, I've done a bit of both. I've done some magazine pieces and I'm mm. doing this and just seeing where it takes me at the moment. But yeah, I think just it is, is. you know, I've come on here tonight, to tried to push through uh, this, you know, the technology issues for this exact reason to kind of take in whatever I can. Because, Yeah, I, I think, yeah, to take, to take in as much as I can is, is massive because, yeah, it's, that is, as you say, how you learn. And I think not, not just in any particular field, but in life. Yeah, absolutely. To take yeah. as much from the people you look up to is, is yeah. sound life advice there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I—I uh, I mean, if I can help you anyway, I'd be just this drop is, me an uh, email. Oh, really, brilliant, thank you. This is
2: this is amazing. This has turned from a great podcast into <laughs> a career <laughs> advice session for me. But, but you know, <laughs> yeah, no, feel free. <laughs> honestly, 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 people yeah. listening as well.
0: Yeah, no, feel free. If there's any if there's anything yeah, that I so, can do to help you, then yeah, but by all means, get get in touch with me. Drop me an email, uh, or you know, um, I'll. After this, I'll give you my number or whatever, and you can you can just uh, get in touch with me. And if there's any advice you're asking whether you know whether it be how do I do this, how would you approach this, please, my, me. And my door is always open, so um, uh, yeah, that I'll be I'll be very glad to help.
2: Uh, fun question. Obviously, I'm trying to do this from a ferry in the North Sea. What? Where's the most ridiculous place you've ever tried to work from? Be it writing a piece, just a non league round coach somewhere, what, whatever it is. What's your most weird circumstance you've had to try and try and work from? Anything that springs to mind. Oh, that is a
0: great question. Uh, weirdest place. Weirdest place. Um, uh, I, I, I'm generally car parks, which uh, is probably like. Uh, trying to drive driving round to try and find a signal to hotspot a phone to file some copy has been one of the used to take was pretty regular uh, covering Notts County in the National League because obviously a lot of the grounds you didn't go to, some of them didn't have Wi Fi, and if you did, it didn't, it sometimes didn't work very well. Um, so yeah, I, I, where this place yep. probably, uh, uh, yeah, car parks. The one thing that did happen to me once and this is pretty funny, uh, and I look back now and I think, oh, my God, it was pretty embarrassing as well at the same time, was uh, when I was covering Lincoln, I actually got shut in the ground. So I, I was filing copy after a game, because I knew the manager so well. Oh man. Uh, Yeah, so Keith Alexander, bless him, was the manager at the time. And I got on really well with Keith, and I can't remember the game it was now, but I'd been down to see him. I was talking, and he said goodbyes, and I was like, oh, right, I'll just go and file this last bit of copy up from the press box uh filed it and then w- usually I, I would then go and make my way out of the ground through the executive club and then go down the downstairs and out the ground that way but it was locked so i was like all oh, right I'll, I'll just try and find it and i couldn't get out of the ground so in the end i had to ring keith alexander who was obviously the manager at the time i said keith i've had an absolute disaster here and he was like what's matter i said that's i'm locked inside the ground <laughs> And he said, don't worry, I'll sort it. So that is a lesson for you as to why you should concentrate on getting your copy out rather than just uh, chatting uh, aimlessly after a game. Because, yeah, you could spend the night in the dugout <laughs> otherwise. But, yeah, he sorted out for me and they managed to get, I think the club secretary came back to open up the gate for me to come out. And I was so embarrassed. But, uh, yeah, so that's probably one of the funniest t- funniest tales I can tell.
2: Yeah, you can't say we don't get some... Some exclusives, some good little good
1: little little bits of knowledge here. The
2: exclusive the
1: exclusive, uh, exclusive yeah, on podcast. A direction I this show well, Lee, we're we're running out of time here and we want to be respectful of your time as well. We're really appreciative uh that you that you joined us today, especially ahead of a busy festive fixtures. Thank you for all your insights. Uh, Lee Curtis from the Derby Telegraph. Lee, thanks so much for for taking the time to be with us tonight.
0: No problem. Really, thanks uh, for having me on. It's uh great chat. And um like I say, if you ever need me again in the future, don't hesitate to drop me a line.
1: Appreciate that, Lee. We will, we will take you up on that. And and to, to you and to Jack and to all of our listeners, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, um, and enjoy the festive period. Hopefully it's a good one for the Rams. So before I finish, for myself, for Jack, for Jason, and for Lee, there's only one last thing to say, and that is up the Rams.
0: Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review1, our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast, or you can drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmill.com. Thanks for listening and until next time, up the Rams.